0: The Dance of Death part 2 scene 1 by August Stringberg, translated by Edward Björkman This is a LibriVox recording all LibriVox recordings are in the public domain For more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org
1: Judith read by Ariel Lipshaw Alen read by MB Lieutenant read by Victoria
2: Edgar Read by Bob Newfeld,
3: Alice. Read by Elizabeth Clatt.
4: Kurt. Read by Bruce Peary.
0: Narration by Sean Daly. A rectangular drawing room in white and gold. The rear wall is broken by several French windows reaching down to the floor. These stand open, revealing a garden terrace outside. Along this terrace, serving as public promenade, runs a stone balustrade. On which are arranged pots of blue and white faience with petunias and scarlet geraniums in them. Beyond, in the background, can be seen the shore battery with a sentry pacing back and forth. In the far distance, the open sea. At the left of the drawing-room stands a sofa with gilded woodwork. In front of it are a table and chairs. At the right is a grand piano, a writing-table, and an open fireplace. In the foreground, an American easy-chair. By the writing table is a standing lamp of copper with a table attached to it. On the walls are several old-fashioned oil paintings. Alan is sitting at the writing table, engrossed in some mathematical problem. Judith enters from the background, in summer dress, short skirt, hair and a braid down her back, hat in one hand and tennis racket in the other. She stops in the doorway. Alan rises, serious and respectful.
1: Why don't you come and play tennis? I am very busy. Didn't you see that I had made my bicycle point toward the oak and not away from it?
5: Yes, I saw it.
1: Well, what does it mean?
5: It means that you want me to come and play tennis, but my duty. I have some problems to work out, and your father is a rather exacting teacher. Do you like him? Yes, I do. He takes such interest in all his pupils.
1: He takes an interest in everything and everybody. Won't you come?
5: No, i should like to but
1: i must not i'll ask papa to give you leave don't do that it'll only cause talk don't you think i can manage him he wants what i want i suppose that is because you're so hard you should be hard also i don't belong to the wolf family then you are a sheep rather that tell me why you don't want to come and play tennis you know it tell me anyhow the lieutenant
5: yes you don't care for me at all But you cannot enjoy yourself with the lieutenant unless i am present so you can
1: see me suffer am i as cruel as that i didn't know it well now you know it then i shall do better hereafter for i don't want to be cruel i don't want to be bad in your eyes you say this only to fasten your hold on me i'm
5: already your slave but it does not satisfy you the slave must be tortured and thrown to the wild beasts you already have that other fellow in your clutches
1: what do you want with me then let me go my own way and you can go yours do you send me away then i go as second cousins we shall have to meet now and then but i am not going to bother you any longer
0: alan sits down at the table and returns to his problem judith instead of going away comes down the stage and approaches gradually the table where alan is sitting
1: don't be afraid i'm going at once I wanted only to see how the master of quarantine lives.
0: Judith looks around.
1: White and gold. A Beckstein grand. Well, well. We are still in the fort since Papa was pensioned. In the tower where Mamma has been kept twenty-five years. And we are there on sufferance at that. You, you are rich.
5: We are not rich.
1: So you say, but you are always wearing fine clothes. But whatever you wear for that matter is becoming to you. Do you hear what I say,
0: Judith? Drawing nearer.
1: I do. How can you hear when you keep on figuring or whatever you are doing?
5: I don't use my eyes to
1: listen with. Your eyes. Have you ever looked at them in the mirror? Go away. You despise me, do you? My girl, I am not thinking of you at all.
0: Judith, still nearer.
1: Archimedes is deep in his figures when the soldier comes and cuts him down.
0: She stirs his paper about with the racket.
1: Don't touch my papers. That's what Archimedes said also. Now you are thinking something foolish. You are thinking that I cannot live without you. Why can't you leave me alone? Be courteous, and I'll help you with your examinations. You? Yes, I know the examiners. And what of it? Don't you know that one should stand well with the teachers? Do you mean your father and the lieutenant? And the colonel. And then you mean that your protection would enable me to shirk my work? You are a bad translator. Of a bad original. Be ashamed. So I am, both on your behalf and my own. I am ashamed of having listened to you. Why don't you go? Because I know you appreciate my company. Yes, you manage always to pass by my window. You have always some errand that brings you into the city with the same boat that I take. You cannot go for a sail without having me to look after the jib. But a young girl shouldn't say that kind of thing. Do you mean to say that I am a child? Sometimes you're a good child and sometimes a bad woman. Me, you seem to have picked to be your sheep. You are a sheep, and that's why I am going to protect you.
0: Alan rising.
1: The wolf makes a poor shepherd. You want to eat me. That's the secret of it, I suppose. You want to put your beautiful eyes in pawn to get possession of my head. Oh, you have been looking at my eyes. I didn't expect that much courage of you.
0: Alan collects his papers and starts to go out toward the right. Judith places herself in front of the door.
5: Get out of my way, or— Or? If you're a boy, bah! but you're a girl. And then? If you had any pride at all, you would be
1: gone, as you may regard yourself as shown the door. I'll get back at you for that. I don't doubt it. I shall get back at you for that.
4: Judith goes out. Kurt enters from the left. Where are you going, Alan? Oh, is that you? Who was it that left in such hurry, so that the bushes shook?
5: It was Judith.
4: She is a little impetuous, but a fine girl.
5: When a girl is cruel and rude, she's always said to be a fine girl.
4: Don't be so severe, Alan. Are you not satisfied with your new relatives?
5: I like Uncle Edgar.
4: Yes, he has many good sides. How about your other teachers, the lieutenant, for instance?
5: He's so uncertain. Sometimes he seems to have a grudge against me
4: oh no you just go here and make people seem this or that don't brood but look after your own affairs do what is proper and leave others to their own concerns
5: so i do but they won't leave me alone they pull you in as the cuttlefish down at the landing they don't bite but they stir up vortices that suck
4: you have some tendency to melancholia i think don't you feel at home here with me is there anything you miss
5: I've never been better off, but there's something here that smothers me.
4: Here by the sea, are you not fond of the sea?
5: Yes, the open sea, but along the shores you find eelgrass, cuttlefish, jellyfish, sea nettles, or whatever they're called.
4: You shouldn't stay indoors so much. Go out and play tennis.
5: Oh, that's no fun.
4: You are angry with Judith, I guess. Judith, you are so exacting toward people. It is not wise, for then you become isolated.
5: I'm not exacting, but it feels as if I were lying at the bottom of a pile of wood and had to wait my turn to get into the fire. And it weighs on me. All that is above weighs me down.
4: Bide your turn. The pile grows smaller.
5: Yes, but so slowly, so slowly, and in the meantime I lie here and grow moldy.
4: It is not pleasant to be young, and yet you young ones are envied.
5: Are we? Would you change?
4: No, thanks.
5: Do you know what's worse than anything else? It's to sit still and keep silent while the old ones talk nonsense. I know that I am better informed than they on some matters, and yet I must keep silent. Well, uh, pardon me, I'm not counting you among the old. Why not? Well, Perhaps because we have only just now become acquainted.
4: And because your ideas of me have undergone a change? Yes. During the years we were separated, I suppose you didn't always think of me in a friendly way? No. Did you ever see a picture of me?
5: Uh, One. And it was very unfavorable.
4: And (laughs) old-looking? Yes. Ten years ago my hair turned gray in a single night. It has since then resumed its natural color without my doing anything for it. Let us talk of something else. There comes your aunt, my cousin. How do you like her?
3: I don't want to tell.
4: Then I shall not ask you.
0: Alice enters dressed in a very light-colored walking suit and carrying a sunshade.
3: Good morning, Kurt.
0: Gives him a glance, signifying that Alan should leave. Kurt to Alan. Leave us, please. Alan goes out to the right. Alice takes a seat on the sofa to the left. Kurt sits down on a chair near her.
3: He will be here in a moment, so you need not feel embarrassed.
4: And why should I?
3: you with your strictness
4: toward myself yes
3: of course once i forgot myself when in you i saw the liberator but you kept your self control and for that reason we have a right to forget what has never been
4: forget it then
3: however i don't think he has forgotten
4: You are thinking of that night when his heart gave out and he fell on the floor, and when you rejoiced too quickly, thinking him already dead?
3: Yes. Since then he has recovered. But when he gave up drinking he learned to keep silent. And now he is terrible. He is up to something that I cannot make out.
4: Your husband, Alice, is a harmless fool who has shown me all sorts of kindnesses
3: beware of his kindnesses i know them
4: well well
3: he has then blinded you also can you not see the danger don't you notice the snares no then your ruin is certain
4: oh mercy
3: think only i have to sit here and see disaster stalking you like a cat i point at it but you cannot see it
4: Allan, with his unspoiled vision cannot see it either he sees nothing but judith for that matter and this seems to me a safeguard of our good relationship.
3: Do you know Judith?
4: A flirtatious little thing with a braid down her back and rather two short skirts.
3: Exactly. But the other day I saw her dressed up in long skirts. And then she was a young lady. And not so very young either when her hair was put up.
4: She is somewhat precocious, I admit.
3: And she is playing with Alan.
4: That's all right, so long as it
3: remains play so that is all right now edgar will be here soon and he will take the easy chair he loves it with such passion that he could steal it
4: why he can have it
3: let him sit over there and we'll stay here and when he talks he's always talkative in the morning when he talks of insignificant things i'll translate them for you
4: oh my dear alice you are too deep far too deep what could i have to fear as long as i look after my quarantine properly and otherwise behave decently
3: you believe in justice and honor and all that sort of thing
4: yes and it is what experience has taught me once i believed the very opposite and paid dearly for
2: it
3: now he's coming
4: i have never seen you so frightened before
3: my bravery was nothing but ignorance of the danger
4: danger soon you'll have me frightened too
3: oh if i only could there
0: the captain enters from the background in civilian dress black prince albert buttoned all the way military cap and a cane with a silver handle he greets them with a nod and goes straight to the easy chair where he sits down
2: alice to kurt
3: let him speak first
2: this is a splendid chair you have here dear kurt perfectly splendid i'll
4: give it to you if you will accept it
2: that is not what i meant
4: but i mean it
2: seriously how much have
4: i not received from you
2: oh nonsense and when i sit here i can overlook the whole island all the walks i can see all the people on their verandas all the ships on the sea that are coming in and going out you have really happened on the best piece of this island which is certainly not an island of the blessed. or what do you say alice yes They call it little hell, and here Kurt has built himself a paradise, but without an eve, of course, for when she appeared, then the paradise came to an end. I say, do you know that this was a royal hunting lodge?
4: So I have heard.
2: You live royally, you, but, if I may say so myself, you have me to thank
3: for it.
4: Alice to Kurt
3: there now he wants to steal you
4: i have to thank you for a good deal
2: fudge tell me did you get the wine cases yes and are you satisfied
4: quite satisfied and you may tell your dealer so
2: his goods are always prime quality alice to curt
3: at second-rate prices and you have to pay the difference
2: what did you say alice
3: i nothing
2: Well. "'When this quarantine station was about to be established, I had in mind applying for the position, and so I made a study of quarantine methods.' Alice to Kurt.
3: Now he's lying.
2: "'And I did not share the antiquated ideas concerning disinfection which were then accepted by the government. For I placed myself on the side of the Neptunists, so called because they emphasized the use of water.'
4: Beg your pardon, but I remember distinctly that it was I who preached water, and you fire at that time.
2: Not I? Nonsense.
3: Yes, I remember that too.
2: You?
4: I remember it so much the better, because—
2: Well, it's possible, but it does not matter. However, we have now reached a point where a new state of affairs— To Kurt, who wants to interrupt. Just a moment. Has begun to prevail— and when the methods of quarantining are about to become revolutionized,
4: by the by, do you know who is writing those stupid articles in that periodical?
2: No, I don't know. But why, why do you call them stupid?
4: Alice to Kurt.
3: look out! It is he who writes them.
4: He to the captain, not very well advised, at least.
2: Well, are you the man to judge of that?
3: Are we going to have a quarrel?
2: Not at all it is hard to keep peace on this island but we ought to set a good example
4: yes can you explain this to me when i came here i made friends with all the officials and became especially intimate with the regimental auditor as intimate as men are likely to become at our age and then in a little while it was shortly after your recovery one after another began to grow cold toward me, and yesterday the auditor avoided me on the promenade. I cannot tell you how it hurt me. Have you noticed any ill-feeling toward yourself?
2: No, on the contrary.
4: Alice to Kurt.
3: Don't you understand that he has been stealing your friends?
4: Kurt to the captain. I wondered whether it might have anything to do with this new stock issue, to which I refused to subscribe.
2: No, oh, no, but— can you tell me why you didn't subscribe
4: because i have already put my small savings into your soda factory and also because a new issue means that the old stock is shaky
2: that's a splendid lamp you have where did you get it
4: in the city of course
3: look out for your lamp
4: you must not think that i am ungrateful or distrustful edgar
3: no But
2: it shows small confidence to withdraw from an undertaking which you have helped to start.
4: Why, ordinary prudence bids everybody save himself and what is his.
2: Save? Is there any danger, then? Do you think anybody wants to rob you? Why such sharp words? Were you not satisfied when I helped you to place your money at six per cent?
4: Yes, and even
2: grateful. You are not grateful. It is not in your nature. But this you cannot help.
3: Listen to him.
4: My nature has shortcomings enough, and my struggle against them has not been very successful. But I do recognize obligations.
2: Show it, then. Captain
0: reaches out his hand to pick up a newspaper.
2: Why, what is this? A death notice? The health commissioner is dead. Alice to Kurt
3: now he is speculating in the corpse
2: this is going to bring about certain changes in what respect captain rising that remains to be seen alice to the captain
3: where are you going
2: i think i'll have to go to the city
0: catches sight of a letter on the writing table picks it up as if unconsciously reads the address and puts it back
2: oh i hope you will pardon my absent-mindedness
4: no harm done
2: why that's alan's drawing-case where is the boy
4: he is out playing with the girls
2: that big boy i don't like it and judith must not be running about like that you had better keep an eye on your young gentleman and i'll look after my young lady
0: goes over to the piano and strikes a few notes
2: splendid tone in this instrument a steinbeck isn't it
4: a beckstein
2: Yes, you are well fixed. Thank me for bringing you here. Alice
0: to Kurt.
3: He lies, for he tried to keep you away.
2: Well, good-bye for a while. I am going to take the next boat.
0: Captain scrutinizes the paintings on the walls as he goes out. Well? Well?
3: I can't see through his plans yet. But tell me one thing. This envelope he looked at. "'From whom is the letter?'
4: "'I am sorry to admit it was my one secret.'
3: "'And he ferreted it out. "'Can you see that he knows witchery, as I have told you before? "'Is there anything printed on the envelope?' "'Yes,
4: the Citizens' Union.'
3: "'Then he has guessed your secret. "'You want to get into the Riksdag, I suppose. "'And now you'll see that he goes there instead of you.'
4: "'Has he ever thought of it?'
3: "'No, but he is thinking of it now.' I read it on his face while he was looking at the envelope.
4: That's why he has to go to the city?
3: No, he made up his mind to go when he read the death notice.
4: What has he got to gain by the death of the health commissioner?
3: Hard to tell. Perhaps the man was an enemy who had stood in the way of his plans.
4: If he be as terrible as you say, then there is reason to fear him.
3: Didn't you hear how he wanted to steal you? To tie your hands by means of pretended obligations that do not exist? For instance, he has done nothing to get you this position, but has, on the contrary, tried to keep you out of it. He is a man-thief, an insect, one of those wood-borers that eat up your insides, so that one day you find yourself as hollow as a dying pine tree. He hates you, although he is bound to you by the memory of your youthful friendship.
4: How keen-witted we are made by our hatreds.
3: And stupid by our loves, blind and stupid.
4: Oh, no, don't say that
3: do you know what is meant by a vampire? They say it is the soul of a dead person seeking a body in which it may live as a parasite. Edgar is dead, ever since he fell down on the floor that time. You see, he has no interests of his own, no personality, no initiative. But if he can only get hold of some other person, he hangs on to him, sends down roots into him, and begins to flourish and blossom. Now he has fastened himself on you.
4: If he comes too close, I'll shake him off.
3: Try to shake off a burr. Listen. Do you know why he does not want Judith and Alan to play?
4: I suppose he is concerned about their feelings.
3: Not at all. He wants to marry Judith to the colonel. That
4: old widower? Yes. Horrible. And Judith?
3: If she could get the general, who is eighty, she would take him in order to bully the colonel, who is sixty. To bully, you know, that's the aim of her life. To trample down and bully. There you have the motto of that family.
4: Can this be Judith, that maiden fair and proud and splendid?
3: Oh, I know all about that. May I sit here and write a letter?
0: Kurt puts the writing-table in order. With pleasure. Alice takes off her gloves and sits down at the writing-table
3: now we'll try our hand at the art of war i failed once when i tried to slay my dragon but now i have mastered the trade
4: do you know that it is necessary to load before you fire
3: yes and with ball cartridges at that
4: kurt withdraws
0: to the right alice ponders and writes alan comes rushing in without noticing alice and throws himself face downward on the sofa he is weeping convulsively into a lace handkerchief Alice watches him for a while. Then she rises and goes over to the sofa, speaks in a tender voice. Alan? Alan sits up disconcertedly and hides the handkerchief behind his back.
3: You should not be afraid of me, Alan. I am not dangerous to you. What is wrong? Are you sick? Yes. In what way? I, I don't know. Have you a headache? No. And your chest? Pain? Yes. Pain. Pain, as if your heart wanted to melt away. And it pulls, pulls. How do you know? And then you wish to die. That you were already dead. And everything seems so hard. And you can only think of one thing. Always the same. But if two are thinking of the same thing, then sorrow falls heavily on one of them.
0: Alan forgets himself and picks at the handkerchief
3: that's the sickness which no one can cure. You cannot eat and you cannot drink. You want only to weep. And you weep so bitterly, especially out in the woods where nobody can see you. For at that kind of sorrow all men laugh. Men who are so cruel. Dear me, what do you want of her? Nothing, You don't want to kiss her mouth, for you feel that you would die if you did. When your thoughts run to her, you feel as if death were approaching. And it is death, child, that sort of death, which brings life. But you don't understand it yet. I smell violets. It is herself.
0: She steps closer to Alan and takes the handkerchief gently away from him.
3: It is she, it is she everywhere, none but she. Oh, oh.
0: Alan cannot help burying his face in Alice's bosom.
3: Poor boy, poor boy, oh, how it hurts, how it hurts.
0: She wipes off his tears with a handkerchief.
3: There, there, cry, cry to your heart's content. There now. Then the heart grows lighter, but now, Alan, rise up and be a man, or she will not look at you. she, the cruel one, who is not cruel, has she tormented you with the lieutenant? You must make friends with the lieutenant so that you can talk of her. That gives a little ease, also. I don't want to see the lieutenant. Now look here, little boy. It won't be long before the lieutenant seeks you out in order to get a chance to talk of her. For...
0: Allan looks up with a ray of hope on his face.
3: Well, shall I be nice and tell you?
0: Alan droops his head.
3: He is just as unhappy as you are. No. Yes, indeed. And he needs somebody to whom he may unburden his heart when Judith has wounded him. You seem to rejoice in advance. This- she not want the lieutenant she does not want you either dear boy for she wants the colonel
0: alan is saddened again
3: is it raining again well the handkerchief you cannot have for judith is careful about her belongings and wants her dozen complete
0: alan looks dashed
3: yes my boy such is judith sit over there now while i write another letter and then you may do an errand for me
0: Alice sits down at the writing table and begins to write again. Lieutenant enters from the background, with a melancholy face, but without being ridiculous. Without noticing Alice, she makes straight for Alan.
1: I say, that.
0: Alan rises and stands at attention.
1: Please be seated.
0: Alice watches them. The lieutenant goes up to Alan and sits down beside him, sighs, takes out a lace handkerchief just like the other one, and wipes his forehead with it. Alan stares greedily at the handkerchief. The lieutenant looks sadly at Alan. Alice coughs. (coughs) The lieutenant jumps up and stands at attention.
3: Please, be seated. I beg your pardon, madame. Never mind. Please sit down and keep the cadet company. He is feeling a little lonely here on the island.
0: Lieutenant conversing with Alan in low tone and uneasily.
3: It is awfully hot.
5: Rather. Have you finished the sixth book yet? I have just got to the last proposition. That's a tough one. Have you
1: have have you played tennis today?
5: No, the sun was too hot.
1: Yes. It is awfully hot today.
5: Yes, it is very hot. Have you been out sailing today? No, I couldn't get anybody to tend the jib.
1: Could you trust me sufficiently to let me tend the jib?
5: That would be too great an honor for me, Lieutenant. Not at all, not at all. Do you think the wind might be good enough today, about dinner time, say? For that's the only time I'm free. It always calms down about dinner time, and that's the
3: time Miss Judith has her lesson. Oh, yes, yes. Hmm. Do you think? Would one of you young gentlemen care to deliver a letter for me?
0: Alan and the lieutenant exchange glances of mutual distrust.
3: To Miss Judith?
0: Alan and the lieutenant jump up and hasten over to Alice, but not without a certain dignity meant to disguise their emotion.
3: "'Both of you? Well, the more safely my errand will be attended to.'
0: Alice hands the letter to the lieutenant.
3: "'If you please, lieutenant, I should like to have that handkerchief. My daughter is very careful about her things. There is a touch of pettishness in her nature. Give me that handkerchief. I don't wish to laugh at you, but you must not make yourself ridiculous needlessly.' And the colonel does not like to play the part of an Othello.
0: She takes the handkerchief.
3: Away with you now, young man, and try to hide your feelings as much as you can.
0: The lieutenant bows and goes out, followed closely by allen Alan? Allen stops unwillingly in the doorway.
3: Yes, and? Stay here, unless you want to inflict more suffering on yourself than you can bear. But he's going. Let him burn himself, but take care of yourself. I don't want to take care of myself. And then you cry afterward. And so I get the trouble of consoling you. I want to go. Go then. But come back here, young madcap, and I'll have the right to laugh at you.
0: Alan runs after the lieutenant. Alice
4: writes again.
3: Kurt enters.
4: Alice, I have received an anonymous letter that is bothering me
3: have you noticed that edgar has become another person since he put off the uniform i could never have believed that a coat might make such a difference
4: you didn't answer my question
3: it was no question it was a piece of information what do you fear
4: everything
3: he went to the city and his trips to the city are always followed by something dreadful
4: but i can do nothing because i don't know from which quarter the attack will begin alice folding the letter
3: We'll see whether I have guessed it.
4: Will you help me then?
3: Yes, but no further than my own interests permit. My own, that is, my children's.
4: I understand that. Do you hear how silent everything is, here on land, out on the sea, everywhere?
3: But behind the silence I hear voices, mutterings, cries.
4: Hush, I hear something too. No. It was only the gulls.
3: But I hear something else. And now I am going to the post office with this letter.
0: Curtain. End of Part Two, Scene One.